Hello, lab experts. Today, we're here with Fonzing Josiah, a veterinary medical medicine student currently, who is going to talk to us a little bit about why he has an interest in the laboratory sciences and also why the laboratory sciences are important to the field of veterinary medicine. But before we get to that, how are you today, Josiah? Um, I'm great. It's nice to meet great. you. Thank you very much. So veterinary medicine. It's rare to find someone that's studying veterinary medicine. I can say, actually, that you're like the second person I have known like that told me that they study veterinary medicine. Like, sir, Well, I've known some veterinary doctors here yeah, in the past, but I've never actually seen someone that studies the field. So why is it a field that interests you? What took you to that field? Okay. Medicine is a unique field. It's somewhere that you can actually have a direct link to the health system and also a field that gives you an opportunity to be able to explore your environment. From reports, about 75% um, of human diseases are actually from animals. Talking about zoonotic diseases now. Yeah. And so from there, I think um, on the concept of One Health, for instance, we have a part that we also be at as veterinarians. And so for me, it interests me so much that I can be able to offer uh, my best to the health system towards the site of treatment in animals. And, and not just treatment, to be able to proffer solutions in terms of, um, in terms of even prevention, developing certain drug therapies and certain treatment regimen also that can be able to help um, help in the treatment of, of, of animals. And then for me, I think I got into veterinary medicine. Let me see, I didn't really apply for it. Yes, I applied for human medicine instead. But as how God would do it, I got into, into veterinary medicine. And when I got there, I began asking myself questions about, okay, so it was not really as if it was my first passion. And so I need to do this. So one thing I've learned in life is I'll need to discover the purpose behind something in order to do it well, because I don't want to be a person running just with trying to get great cram passing and just do well at it and that's and just do anything and that's all. I want to be excellent at it. And so excellence now led me into asking questions and knowing why the field of veterinary medicine is there. And so with my with my little inquiry and, dis and discovery, I got to I got to I got I got to understand that. There is so much that field had to offer. And then um, certain even treatment regimens and certain surgeries in humans now, in, in humans now, they were actually gotten from animals. It was a bit like a trial in animals. And then um, the human medics adopted it and then it's working perfectly. And so I tried to I tried to also link it to the human health, for instance, that there's something I can do in veterinary medicine that can affect the whole health system. So I hold on to it dearly from my anatomy to my physiology, which I'm very interested in, and the field in which I, I the field um, I'm trusting to to really exploit very well is also there. And then seeing that um, certain opportunities still abound in it, and that I can daily have an opportunity to be able to participate in certain research work and doing certain things like that that can be able to help both animals and also humans and then the environment entirely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, I mean, the last year's COVID-19 is actually a very good example of how animal health and human health are inextricably linked. In lots of the pandemics that we've had in some of the recent years, we can see that at one point or another, we sort of traced back an origin to 
an animal or potentially usually an animal vector. So it's true that it's very important and it's very linked in that particular sense. Now you talked a bit about research. Are you currently um, involved in any sort of research? Or any, is, any, is there any particular kind of research you are interested in or it's just something that you'd like to get into eventually? Currently, I'm not into any research yet, but I'm looking into um, antimicrobial resistance, into clinical pharmacology, as biomedical sciences. I actually see a connection between these fields. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to, to look into it, developing better drug um, therapies like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's say me or someone else who's watching this as a medical laboratory scientist who would like to say lend a hand to veterinary doctors out there. How could they help? Um, apart from, so I guess already in the, on the research side, that's one thing. Now, as a veterinary doctor, what are some of the tests that you could, that the lab can actually help with? All right. Um, I'll go back to, okay, you know, we have, we run certain tests like that on, on samples we get in the laboratory, mm -hmm. um, reading from tissue processing to, um, to blood testing, trying to see um, the um, PCV and also um, running um, smears to try to identify um, certain disease um, causing organisms like that. And also, um, yeah, you had a PCR, polymer exchange reaction. Mm -hmm. Yes, even going down to that level like that. Um, this is one way um, any medical laboratory scientist can actually help in, in, this, in, this, in this particular field. Now, um, Lois Pastor said something. He said that um, without, without, without labs, um, science is like um, science, science, science is like um, soldiers without, without, um, without arms. And also there is another quote again that without laboratory, we are only guessing. Yeah. So in the field of, of, of better medicine, you observe through that, of course, these are biological beings and these are living beings. And so getting um, certain samples from them is, 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 is coming to actually a place of trying to identify the exact cause. It's trying to know what is the problem. And so we cannot leave the field of medical laboratory science outside diagnosis and treatment. They are very important because mm -hmm. even with the rise of microbial resistance, for instance, um, one of the causes I got to identify is that um, the etiology was not determined very carefully. And so the wrong drug treatment was actually given. And at the end, the, the bacteria, they were able to change the variant um, surface glycoprotein to another form that an antibiotic was administered and then it couldn't actually work again. I see. And from what you said, from your explanation, I can see that there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of overlap between what's done in a, a medical laboratory and what would probably be done in a veterinary laboratory. So I'm so it seems like the skills are very um, transferable. The same skills you use in one area are the skills you can use in another area. So potentially some of the medical scientists with a little bit of training could be able to adapt, switch over to veterinary and also help in that area. Now, but like I was saying at the beginning, it's when, for some reason, when I started talking to you that I realized that I don't really know um, people that are involved in veterinary medicine. So I'm guessing it may not be as popular. It's how do you get people interested in the field? Like what are some of the things that are being done to 
interest people like maybe medical laboratory scientists who may already have some of the skills that you may want, uh, let's say to help you as a veterinary doctor in the lab, but don't necessarily think of working in a veterinary laboratory as something that is doable, as something that's viable. Are there some initiatives are out there to kind of bring some of us over to help you out? Um, Elia spoke about One Health and One Health advocacy is bringing, oh, let me just, is, is overlapping the environment with the mm -hmm. um, human medical side and then the, the animal medical side, you understand? Yeah. So it's like a collaboration of these professionals coming together to be able to treat um, a particular problem affecting the society. Because you know that the society has the people, the animals, and the immediate environment, you understand, um, about um, the plants and everything. So mm -hmm. in one way or the other, human activities affect animals. Animal activities also affect humans and also affect their environment. So yeah. sometimes it's just it might not really be because of a direct contact, for instance, but due to the animal activities, for instance, is able to leave um is able to leave a particular problem in the environment. And because the humans interact with the environment, they pick that up and it becomes a problem. One Health Initiative is another thing that is actually working greatly, even in universities and also um, yeah, professional bodies taking this up so that the, prof the, the professionals can actually work together. And if you observe trees, I see everybody has just been on his or her own. The, the, environment, the environment scientists are just there on their own. The, medical, the, 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 the human um, medical professionals, they are just there on their own. And the veterinary professionals, they are just there on their own. But even from my explanation on, um, on genetic disease, when I was talking about 75% of human diseases to, uh, from animals, you observe that if the veterinary professionals are not there, for instance, you might not be able to know um, the pathophysiology of a particular disease, for instance. You might not be able to know how it developed in animals enough for you to even try to, to bring the treatment regimen in humans that are affected. And also, um, at our undergraduate, uh, at our undergraduate um, level, yeah, they are doing much of this advocacy, like uh, associations, for instance. You know, we have okay. different um, national local associations that try to to enlighten the students on what to do. And even now, I think last week I attended um, a seminar on this particular on this particular issue, how we can actually collaborate together to bring in uh, more solutions as a, as, as, as a whole, not just as a part, because even to the veterinary side, there is still insufficiency. Even to the medical side, there is still insufficiency. And to the medical laboratory scientists, I'd like to see this. Um, I believe that as, as a scientist um, in that particular field, you are trained to look into the health system to be able to identify a problem and provide a solution to it. And so an opportunity can come this way that if not directly to the human side, there's something that actually eventually that, that eventually affects the humans. So getting into it might indirectly mean that I'm also contributing my quarter to the human um to the human um uh, 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 medical um, uh, to the human medical pro profession. That way you can be able to see that, although I might not get directly to work with humans, I have, I have something I can actually do, let's say in terms of zoonotic diseases, for instance, mm -hmm. that can be able to help the animals and also help the humans. Because now the trend of everything is for us to come to a level where the environment is free of diseases, 
the uh, uh, sorry the environment is free of any harm the animals are free of any disease conditions that affect the humans and the humans are also free of disease conditions that affect the animals so it's a collaborative work which is working effectively now to be able to to cope some some of these problems you observe too that like in the issue of um, antimicrobial resistance that I, I i i spoke about earlier you know this this identification of some of these bacteria is not as if they are just uniquely animals all the time of course they are unique disease causing organisms in animals and also they are unique disease causing organisms in humans mm-hmm. but your 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 expertise and your skills can actually also be employed in the veterinary uh, profession because it works actually somehow in the same manner it's not as if because you did it in you 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 did um tissue processing let's say in humans for instance then you come to yeah. animals then there's a unique way that is being that is being done like that i remember here at the research institute in fact state here um i was there for i was there for uh, an industrial attachment and we observed some of the equipment is the same we even have there are also human um medical professionals that even come around to be able to carry certain um tests like that in a veterinary establishment so it's still it's still it's still collaborative yeah. it's still something that you can actually work towards it to see that at the end of the day everyone is free of whatever thing that is harmful from the animals from the humans and even from them to the environment and to the animals yes we need to work a lot more together like you are saying because many of, a lot of the equipment is actually equipment that could be shared between those laboratories and so you could use the same sort of equipment to help in both areas which of course is going to be extremely valuable if we can get to work together a lot better and in a more efficient manner now you also said that you were a mentor a mentorship manager what does that entail okay um in the, in ivs that's the international veterinary students association we have standing committees so um i am a member of the standing committee on veterinary education so i'm part of the committee um to like the escorts the officials so um the mm. mentorship uh, the, um, being a mentorship manager what i do basically is I try to promote the value of the standing committee on veterinary education which is to be able to 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 allow the dissemination of information from veterinary professionals to the veterinary students so I created I, we we created a platform which is mentorship so from there I'm able to manage um uh, I I'm able to manage the flow of information from the professionals to the students so from the platform we created we i in particular we work together with um, with the national coordinators to ensure that the students who apply for the mentorship program are spread across different um, fields of of veterinary medicine so from there we identify veterinary professionals that are already experts in those fields having more insight and understanding and the career path which towards those particular fields and so you know that one of the effective means of learning is that you have someone that knows better than you teaching you so we believe that strongly also and as a mentorship manager i work so that i can be able to make the students to come to a place higher than they to come to a place that they can just see beyond the veterinary just beyond the walls of the veterinary school they should be able to see beyond that they should be able to see what opportunities that holds for them um beyond be, be, beyond veterinary school so that at the end of the day they shouldn't be confused on what to eventually venture into after leaving veterinary school because it's important that way 
we have um of course a lot of professionals even some people getting confused on the areas they want to specialize in after veterinary school and so they end up going with anything that just come to mind of course there's nothing wrong really with anything but you should know that you're, in, you're, you're a unique individual and not anything just works for you and so that's what i also do so that you can be able to identify what particular field interests you and then you can start the career pathway even since when you're in, you're in your second year or your third year you identify it and then you're working towards it already interestingly as you're talking about that i was wondering whether it wouldn't be an approach that would also be important to adapt for us in the medical laboratory science field because many people in the medical laboratory science field also feel the same way uh, after they are done with their studies, they don't necessarily know in what direction to go, in what direction to actually specialize. So it's actually really nice that you are able to do that and have a collection of students that can actually, and it, it's always better when you are with a group of like-minded individuals, and then you all know in what direction, what general direction you are going. And as you are talking to each other, new ideas come through, you can make better decisions, and then the field, of course, can be better as a as a result of all of that. Now, talking about veterinary, the veterinary, veterinary side also in some more, in a little bit more detail, what are some, some of the problems that you face in the field? Uh, when I say problems, what are some of the major diseases that are problematic in that field? We have um, the case of, of, of rabies. It's actually one of the major disease conditions that we faced here because it doesn't just affect the animals. Of course, you know, rabies is zoonotic. It also affects, um, it also affects humans. And also we have um, in chickens, for instance, the issue of foul typhoid, foul cholera, Newcastle, Gomboro. And then um, we also have um, the conditions of, um, there's PPR, that we call um, pestis petite ruminant. It affects actually small, small ruminants, yeah, basically. And then, um, of course, there's also sheep pork, um, goat pox, and also, um, I think it has been eradicated now. Yeah, it, it has been eradicated completely now. Um, the issue of um, wind pest, uh, which led to even um, the establishment of, uh, of, of, of a veterinary research institute here in, the, where, here in Nigeria. Um, specifically in just here. Yeah, so these are some of um, the challenges we, we face here in the, in the profession, because, you know, um, also brucellosis, you know, some of these things, even in treatment, as you're yeah. treating the animals, you have to be very about yourself also. It's not something that you just feel as if you're an expert in it, and then you, you just dive into it like that. Yeah. And one thing, and one thing, one thing we're particular about zoonotic diseases. Even you, you, you're a vet, you're a human being, you're not an animal. And so in treatment, um, veterinarians are very careful about this. Because I had, a, I had, about, um, I had an issue recently, um, a veterinarian was treating an animal with brucellosis. He was not really very careful about it. And that's how he was, he was, he was infected. He never knew it was towards, it was towards the tail end when the clinical signs are, 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 are blown directly, like we are there, yeah. we will cover it. And it was really, that's how he died. And also the issue of, um, there is this veterinary professional, she, uh, she had an encounter with a rabbit dog and that's how it affected her. I don't know, she didn't go for any, um, any, any, any post, um, post, um, exposure um, prophylaxis like that. And that's how the whole affected her. She died back in, 
you understand all these things so these are some of the disease conditions we we, we face in the field and particularly about genetic diseases because it actually affects you there are some of them that don't yeah they don't really affect that that's it doesn't really affect you like that but we are particular about we're particular about this about this ones also but it's not that we are selfish people living here and as instead of selfish people that just concerned about genetic diseases alone no we're particular about these animals. That's why I had to mention to you some of the disease conditions that are not really affecting yeah. um affecting um humans also because we yeah. about um, the five freedoms of um of animal welfare we believe in the freedom of animals from any disease condition so we work effectively um towards that yeah. Speaking of uh, rabies specifically, someone is watching this and wants to protect themselves from that disease. What's what are they supposed to do? What are some preventive measures they could take? And if ever they get in contact with an animal that could be infected, what should they do? Now, what you first do in identifying any rabbit dog is for you to isolate it. If it's possible, go ahead and isolate your dog. If you cannot be able to, because of animal restraint methods like that and because of fear, make sure you mm. identify veterinary professional in your area or anywhere yeah. to come help you restrict it's very what are, important that's the first what are part. some of the symptoms how if there's a dog here for example how would i know that it's a rabbit dog what are some of the things that i should look out for okay um what happened is of course you begin to there are actually two forms there are actually two forms of of rabies but generally what to begin to what you begin to observe is there's this, there's this, there's this incoordination. There's this okay. nervous incoordination. That yes, and then um, you begin to feel feverish. You begin to feel feverish. Of course, weakness is there, and it, it has gone to to the terminal end. You see a person begins to back because of the nervous incoordination. Yeah, you couldn't, you cannot be able to coordinate your movement like that, and of course um yeah but i mean uh, i mean in the in the animal so let's say there's an animal around right let's say i'm in a house and let's say there's a dog uh, what are some of the signs that i could be looking for to know that something might be wrong yes and look maybe i should call nervous, a doctor yeah look out for as i said earlier you look out for nervous incoordination just observe okay. the movement of the dog you can observe um you can you can observe um frequent um frequent muzzle twitch like that and then secondly okay. you observe that the dog begins to 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 form like it begins to to bring out saliva at an unusual usual unusual quantity like that i think especially that sign is very very important and then the dog wants to be biting it wants yeah. to bite anything at sight it wants to be biting anything at sight yeah look out for those signs okay i see yeah, I think it's, yeah, those are signs that people would probably be happy to know about in case they have that problem someday. Now, as you were talking about the pox viruses a bit earlier, I couldn't help but think about monkeypox. Was that ever a problem in, do you have any idea, in Nigeria? Is it something that's recurrent, that happens often, or what's the state of that disease over there? Any ideas? Yeah, yes, I, not very much much though we had um with the outbreak we had um, a seminar recently it's not really something that we observe um frequently in fact um for the past i think um throughout this year even for the past two years um we just we just had like, we just heard about it and then a seminar was brought up to be able to give a little enlightenment about that 
it's not something that that, that occurs recurrently here in Nigeria. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. So Nigeria is a place I can go and stay if I want to run away from monkeypox. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, not necessarily, but uh, it's at least nice. So Josiah, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us today a bit about your field uh, and a bit about how the laboratory could, and even medical laboratory scientists could help out a little bit in the field. I think this would have opened up the minds of some people or in the medical laboratory science field, and who, for one reason or another, may want to branch out a little bit, may want to learn a little more, may want to learn new things, may want to help in different areas while still ensuring that we as human beings, as well as animals, also have better health. Is there any last, are there any last words that you'd like to share? Um, yeah. Um... This platform, this podcast, is is a platform for for education, and so I believe education is the enlightenment of the mind. And so, through continual engagement of knowledge and information, we can come to a place of knowing what we should do and how to do it. This this is this is very important to the development of any course, any career, and anything at all, because it's important for a person to be truly educated. So I advocate for I advocate for knowing what you're doing, not just trying to like in terms of the educational sector, not just trying to cram and pass and not know what you are actually doing. I advocate for knowing in depth what you are doing and trying to find opportunities in what you're doing and be able to walk through it to solving a particular problem in the society. So listening, of course, to this podcast, I think it is one way to go about disseminating information to people that are really concerned about information and about what they need to be able to do well in their career. And there's also an exposure to, to, vet, to, to veterinary professionals and anybody in the society at all, because this thing does not really affect only the health professionals. The health professionals are only a part of the population trying to identify a problem and solve the problem for the whole people. So it's important, yeah. this is important for everybody. So it's not just for the health professionals. Let's, it's a good work. It's a good work. It's a good work. And I also, as I stated earlier, I also advocate for, for mentorship. I currently am in a mentorship program. I'm in a mentorship program. I, I try as much as I can to learn from people, to learn from people that have gone ahead of me. And so it's an advice to everyone that is listening to this podcast also. Try to get someone that has gone beyond you to teach you something. Pay the price for that career. Pay the price for that course. Pay the price for that initiative. Is going to be worth it. Thank you. So lab experts, thanks a lot for being here with us today. You heard it. We need to not only be professional problem, uh, we need to not only be professional letter learners, but also become professional problem solvers and start looking around us for the problems that are around us and how we could actually help solve those problems. And that comes through ensuring that we have the knowledge of the problems that we keep on learning and that we keep on advancing in our careers. Thanks a lot for being here with us today. And we see you next time to talk more MedLab.